Well, Rock Church, how are we doing this morning? You guys good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Clay, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I just want to go ahead and uh, take a second and just welcome you to be that are here in person. I also want to welcome everyone that's joining us online and everyone that's joining us from our Aner campus as well. So let's go ahead and give it up for everybody joining us on our other campuses. Thank you for being with us today. We're so excited about what God is going to do. And uh, man, it's, it's been a great weekend already. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see where God continues to go with it. And while we're talking about it being a great weekend, one thing I want to do and I want to celebrate across all of our campuses is the fact that Veterans Day was Friday. And uh, just a way to celebrate that, celebrate our veterans. If you uh, are a veteran, if you could do me a favor, if you could just go ahead and stand up, because we would just love to cheer you on for just a moment here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, it's, it's perfect that, that we got the opportunity to celebrate you guys there and across all of our campuses, because... Uh, we are in a series uh, called Get Off Your Donkey, and man, I don't know if there's a better example of that than people who sacrifice and serve that way. So thank you for getting off your donkey, and thank you for serving us, and thank you for uh, just everything that you've done. That is, it just means the world to us, and, and uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, whether it's here in person or at one of our other locations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's an incredibly unselfish act, and it's interesting because I do believe that this series is a attack on our selfish nature because we as people, we like what's good for us. We like what makes our lives better. We just do everything that we can to improve the status of our lives. And uh, this past weekend, me and Katie, uh, we went on a weekend getaway. We had some flight credits left over uh, from a trip that we were going to take pre-COVID, and we knew we had to use them. So we made the decision last weekend to fly up to Washington, D.C., spend the weekend there, see some things, and, and come on back. So it was about a 48-hour trip, and uh, we took four different plane rides. And what I learned from those plane rides is that there is no more selfish place in the entire world than the airport. Am I right there? Like, if you've ever been in an airport, you know that it is every man for themselves because as long as I get on my flight and I get to where I need to go, I don't care what else is happening there. I got to do what's good for me. And I started people watching as I was thinking about this sermon. And I was thinking about our kind of selfish nature. And man, I noticed a lot of different things. You know, one of the things I noticed right away was that everybody walks really fast at airports. Like, Katie and I got to our flight like two hours early at the Myrtle Beach Airport, which is just way too early, but we're like, you know what, we got nothing else to do, let's go hang out at the airport, because that's super fun. Um, so we get there, and we're two hours early. Not a big airport, right? And for some reason, we and everybody else treated our walking pace like it was the Olympic sport of speed walking. If you just pay, I mean, everyone's just getting after it, right? Like trying to get from one area to another as fast as humanly possible. And that even got even faster when you hit that walkway that kind of is the Mario Kart super boost, right? And you just take that and you just take off. It's awesome. But then there's that one selfish person 
that makes the decision that that walkway is going to be a roller coaster and they're just going to sit on it and stand and you're just like, get out of my way, right? Speaking of getting out of my way, have you ever seen someone who had maybe a short layover or came to the airport late and they have to get to their flight so they make the decision to look really cool and run through the airport and they're just taking off and they're running through everybody and it doesn't matter who's in their way, they're trucking them like Notre Dame running backs against the Clemson defense last week, right? I mean, like I said, I wasn't here last week, so I, I got to get my jokes in, right? I got to get them in now. And then I think the most selfish people of all airport history is the people as soon as the seatbelt thing dings uh, when your flight lands and they decide to stand up and then for the next 15 minutes you got their butt in their, your face and you are just stuck there. It is the worst. You know, the airport really is a lawless place where you can eat a burrito at 7 a.m., uh, sleep on a dirty floor and no one will judge you, and uh, a bag of chips costs $17, right? Like, that is the airport experience. It's a selfish world, but I think it's a great microcosm for society, where in an airport, you're just trying to get what's best for you the entire time. We do that a lot in life, whether it's our career, opportunity, money, relationships, it's all over the place. And it's something that we have to battle against. It's our selfish nature coming in. And what I have found is when I'm in that mode, and maybe you're in this mode as well, when you're really selfish and you're wanting things for the wrong reason, when you finally get the thing that you want, it's a little unsatisfying. You go, man, that didn't fill me like I thought it would. That didn't give me exactly what I wanted. So then you start the whole process over again. And you want the things for the wrong reasons, and you leave unsatisfied once again. And it turns into this endless cycle, and maybe you're going through that right now, where you've kind of just been searching all over the place, trying to find the thing that will make your life satisfying, and you have felt like you can't find it. Well, I've got good news for you today, that through the words of Jesus, we can have a satisfying life. If I could say it this way, if you want a life that is satisfying, get off your donkey and start sacrificing. That is the way to a satisfying life. We have to start sacrificing. And the reason that we know this is because of the words of Jesus himself. You know, there's, a, there's a story in Luke 10 where Jesus is talking to this religious leader, and they're just having this conversation. And uh, as they're having this conversation, the religious leader kind of tests Jesus and goes, how should I inherit eternal life? And Jesus does the thing where he kind of flips the question around on him and kind of asks the same question back at him. And the man replies back and it says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus hears that. It's the right answer. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. That's pretty cut and dry, right? That makes sense. If we do that, we'll have an eternal life. We'll do that. We have a, a satisfying life. We'll have a great life. But then the man does something that I think so many of us do when we hear the words of Jesus telling us what to do. We try to create some sort of little stipulation. We try to create a little way out. And the man looks at Jesus and says, well, who is my neighbor? Because he didn't want to love everybody. 
He didn't want to love certain people. There are certain people he didn't want to associate with. So he tries to create this little loophole for himself, and Jesus challenges that loophole by going into a parable. And uh, a parable is simply just kind of a, a metaphorical story that has some truth in it uh, that, that we can apply to our lives. Jesus used them all the time. And uh, here in the book of Luke, which is a biography about Jesus, uh, we really, really see a great one that I think will help us understand the importance of sacrificing. You see, the story was uh, about a Jewish man who is traveling from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, and uh, this, this, this road uh, was a long road. It was about 18 miles. It's rocky. It's desert. It's hot. It's steep. It is a tough journey of 18 miles. But on top of those 18 miles, it was filled with caves that had robbers in them. And this Jewish man's walking, and as he goes down this, this road that is actually called the Bloody Way, the Red Way is how some people called it, he gets beaten. It's all of his stuff taken from him, and he gets left for dead. So obviously, this guy's in a bad spot. He's laying there on the ground, no one there to help him. But there is a little bit of hope. Because the city of Jericho is what they call a sacerdotal city, which is, means a city where a lot of priests and, and temples were at, where, where they would do a lot of training and they would do a lot of preparation, they would do all sorts of things. So the idea there is that the hope is that there is some good people who love God and want to love their neighbor that will come along and help. So he's laying there half dead on the side of the road and all of a sudden a, a priest comes by. And as this priest comes by, he sees the man crosses the other side of the road and keeps on walking. Then all of a sudden, a temple assistant comes by. Temple assistant sees the Jewish man laying on the side of the road, comes closer, looks at him, and then crosses the road and walks across the other side. The two people who love God completely ignored the person that needed help. Just out of curiosity, across all of our campuses, how many of you guys think that's kind of ridiculous? Why do we do the same thing all the time? We make those same mistakes all the time. And this is where we'll pick up uh, in the scripture. Luke 10, verse 33, says this. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now, this is a big deal. Notice it said the word despised. You see, the, the Samaritan people and the Jewish people, they were people in conflict. You think that your college football rivalry is a big deal? You think Clemson, Carolina is a big deal? This is nothing in comparison. This is generation after generation after generation of hatred. You see, the, the Jewish people looked down upon the people of Samaria uh, because of some different reasons, and because of that, there was no association between the groups. So the natural thing to do in this moment would be for the Samaritan man who has been uh, spoken down to uh, by, by the Jewish people to look at the Jewish person laying on the side of the road, go, this is my way to get back at them for a second, so I'm going to just move on past. But instead... He saw the man, and he felt compassion for him. And when he felt compassion for him, he got off his donkey. Look what it says in verse 34. 
It says, going over him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then verse 35 says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. In this story, you saw the Samaritan man sacrificing for the Jewish man. Now, I, I don't know for what reason the Samaritan man was going down that road. I don't know what he was searching for in life. I don't know his relationship with God at all. But what I do know is that Jesus tells us to follow this man's example. If you want to get off your donkey, it's going to cost you, which means you will need to sacrifice things in life. And the three things that this man sacrificed was his time, his gifts, and his finances. His time, his gifts, and his finances. I mean, this is a really big deal, right? This is a really challenging situation. But I think it's something that we can all do as well. We can sacrifice our time. We can sacrifice our gifts. We can sacrifice our finances. Let's start with that first one, the sacrifice of time. If we want to go back to that first scripture, verse 33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now, out of curiosity for you guys, how many of you guys feel busy just in life? Okay, good news. We just got done with a big series about that. Go back and watch it. Uh, But additionally, it's a very normal thing, right? But I believe that there is a difference between being busy and feeling busy. Because if you are busy, you can still find time to sacrifice for someone else. But if you feel busy, you're not going to want to do that. You're not going to want to hand it off to, or help someone out. You're not going to want to be able to, to, to serve someone because you're like, I just can't fit it into my schedule. I bet the priest was feeling pretty busy. He had places to go. He had, he had, had a service to have. He had, he had to go serve the Lord at the temple. I bet the temple assistant felt pretty busy. Where he felt as though that, that I have to go prepare things at the temple. I got to go get things ready. I can't help this man. Now, we don't know what the Samaritan man had to do. But if I had to guess, he wasn't walking down this red, bloody way just for fun. He had a place to go. He had a place to be. But he still stopped. He took the time and the cost that it was going to take and said, I am going to take care of this man. I'm going to help him out. I'm going to serve him. And I don't want us to say that we don't have enough time because it's just not true. We all have the same amount of time. There are 24 hours in a day. It's around 730 hours in a month. 8,760 hours in a year. And here are how people 
are, are spending their time. People are asleep for roughly eight and a half hours. That is a long time. Like, if, if you're, who is getting that much sleep? Katie, you're getting that much sleep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight and a half hours at work. 28 minutes of educational activities. 28 minutes, that's a, we're smart. 45 minutes grooming, an hour eating, two hours and 45 minutes of watching TV, 50 minutes a day shopping, three hours on our phone each day. You see, when I see those statistics, we have enough time. It's about prioritizing our time. Is getting off your donkey worth it to you? Because I believe you do what matters to you. Whatever matters to you, you will find time in your schedule to do it. So I think when people contemplate this idea of sacrificing their time, where they really struggle is they feel like they're losing time. And I would disagree. Because when you make a decision to sacrifice your time, instead of wasting your time, I believe you're going to be winning with your time. Because what's going to be better for you? Scrolling for an hour on your phone looking at different TikToks and Reels or spending time in community with somebody? The answer is pretty simple there, right? And, and that applies even further. If we just make ourselves available for this, we'll have the opportunities to do it. How do you uh, sacrifice your time? I say, one, schedule time. Get on a serving team. Be in a spot where you can sacrifice your time by having it weekly tied into your schedule. You've got gifts. You can use them. But then be ready for unscheduled time. Keep your eyes open for opportunities. Allow yourself to slow down enough, be unhurried enough, as we talked about last series, so that you can go and, and actually serve someone with your time. The Samaritan man, he realized this is what he needed to do, and I hope in this situation that you're realizing this is how you need to sacrifice as well. But that's not the only way he sacrificed. He sacrificed with his time, but he also sacrificed with his gifts. Verse 34, it, it says this. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. You know, this is huge because it's not like the man could go down to CVS to get these things to take care of the guy. He couldn't do that. He took what he had and used it to help the person out, the Jewish man out. And that's, what, that's putting 1 John 3.17 in action. This is what 1 John 3.17 says. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? What has God gifted you with? Maybe you have the ability of leadership. Maybe you are able to listen to people. Maybe you have the ability to be compassionate. Maybe you just understand situations of where you need to be hospital where you need to help someone 
have peace. You were just naturally gifted at that. Or maybe it's even more direct than that, more practical than that. Maybe you can make a great cup of coffee. Maybe you can sing well. Maybe you've got a strong handshake. You've got a great smile. Maybe you are a teacher and you know how to teach kids. Maybe uh, you have a great marriage that you can help other people have great marriages as well. Maybe you have a story of sobriety that someone needs to hear. Maybe you are financially smart and you can just help people out that way. Whatever the case is, God has given each of us a gift. And we need to sacrifice the gift that God has given us to go and make a difference. Part of me wonders if the reason that we aren't satisfied with our life is is because we aren't sacrificing the gifts that God has given us to bring him glory. And because we aren't actually using our gifts in the way that God has designed us for, it kind of just leaves us feeling empty because we're not actually utilizing what's available to us. Look, I, I know God has given me gifts. I know what they are. Like, I can promise you, it is not leading worship like Holt or Will or McKenna. I know my gifts are not leading worship like Jamin or Mary. I can't do it. You guys don't want me to do that. I know you guys would love to see me try it, but no. (laughs) I know my gifts, and I got to utilize them. There's a great quote last week uh, from uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak from the NBA. If uh, you don't know him, he's the best player in the NBA. He's about seven foot tall, just can do just about everything, incredible defensive player. He is massive. He is strong. He is fast. He's incredible. Here's a picture of him. Um, If I could have arms like that, I would never wear sleeves, all right? But he's a stud. He can do everything except for one thing. He can't shoot. He's gotten better at it, but he still can't shoot. And he had a hilarious quote last week, and I kind of edited it because he's Greek and he has kind of broken English, but it gets the point across. It says this. He said, I have pretty much everything in life. I'm handsome, have beautiful kids, A beautiful wife, great family, great teammates, great coaching staff. I am handsome. He really thinks he's handsome. (laughs) Athletic, but I cannot make threes. God basically said, you cannot make threes. You can do everything else, but you can't shoot. I got to humble you, my guy. (laughs) That's perfect, right? Because we have to recognize, yes, we have gifts, but we don't have all the gifts. And what Giannis has done is said, here is my gift set. I'm going to maximize what I have, and I'm going to be the best player in the NBA. I'm going to make our team a championship-winning team. In the same way, we got to look at the gifts that we have across all of our campuses and say, how can I best serve the kingdom? Because God has given you something that he has prepared you for. Ephesians 2.10, it says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So whether you are here in Conway, you are online, you're in Aner, I want you to hear this today. God has given you gifts to do things he has planned for you long ago. So take those gifts that he has given you, sacrifice them to him, and see what God can do with it because he has something special planned. A lot of us want to be great. We want to take what we're good at and be great at it. 
think the secret to being great in this situation is by sacrificing those gifts. Because when you give your gifts, it gives your gifts purpose. This man, he took what he had. He sacrificed his gifts for the Jewish man, and it made a difference in his life. You know, it might not be, using your gifts might not be what saves you, but it is a part of someone else's saving story. So he sacrificed his time. He sacrificed his gifts. And the last one is he sacrificed his finances. And I'm going to talk about this here on this campus, and Benny is going to go ahead and take over an Aner. Time, gifts, finances. Verse 35, it says this. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Unfortunately, um, I have an announcement for you guys. Um, I did not win the Powerball a couple weeks ago. Um, if, I, if I did, I wouldn't be here right now. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I'd be on one long vacation. Um, you would see me again at some point. I've taken a ball or vacation for a while, right? But me and Katie and my dad, we were sitting down talking one day about what would we do if we won that Powerball? And the first thing, we're like, oh, well, we, you got to tithe off the top. Like, wow, that is a lot of money to tithe. And I kind of asked the question. I was like, do you, do you give all that to a, a, a single church? Do you, is that what you do? Like, that kind of money could corrupt someone. My dad looked at me, and, and his, his question back to me was perfect. It was incredibly convicting. And he said, do you believe that God has appointed the leaders of the church? And said, yes. And he said, that's your answer then. Because there's a lot of people who hear this idea of giving and go, what if, I, what if it doesn't turn out okay? What if this person does something bad? Yeah, that's possible. Now here at The Rock, we do a bunch of safeguards against that. We've got a bunch of systems that we put into place to prevent that. But the theory behind it, it is possible. But what I've learned is that if you trust that God appointed leaders, you've got to do what he says. The possible outcome shouldn't change the plan discipline. And in this situation, this is a great example of this. Because... The Samaritan man, he gave the money to the innkeeper said, hey, I'll come back and pay later, the rest of it. And the Jewish man, the Jewish man was someone who potentially could have racked up a bunch of charges, could have cost him a lot of money. But the Samaritan said, no, this is the right thing to do. It's not like the Samaritan man probably got credit. The Jewish man was probably still pretty knocked out, pretty out of it because he was beaten close to death. But he went, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to sacrifice my finances. That's how he did it. How do we need to do that? Well, first, we need to give to the Lord. In the story, the way the man gave was to the Lord was through the innkeeper. And in our context, the way we give to the Lord is through the church. 
And when we give to the Lord through the church, it makes a difference in the community. It makes a difference in people's lives. It makes a difference in, in how uh, people are getting reached for Christ. So first, start by serving the Lord and giving to the Lord through the local church. But then the second thing, the second way to, to give financially, sacrifice financially, is hearing the Holy Spirit impress something on your heart and saying, okay, I'm going to give. You know, in a few months, I'm sure we're going to start talking about camp signups, which means we have kids that will need camp scholarships, which means camp is really not that far away. So please pray for me. There's a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers, right? But the Holy Spirit might impress on your heart that you need to give for a camp scholarship. Do it. The Holy Spirit might impress on your heart that you need to give something for the food trial. Give it. You might see someone on the side of the road later. You might say, I need to give to that person. Do it sacrifice but the third way is to give so you can see people be converted for Christ a great example of this is last week we were able to go back to Jay Rubin uh, for the first time since pre-COVID which is just amazing amazing and during COVID uh, and, and shortly after that we launched our made for more initiative and one of the big things that we wanted to do was upgrade our digital and technological uh, equipment so that we can better present a product for people that are watching on home, watching online, watching here, all over the place. One of the ideas behind that was Jay Rubin. So we were able to upgrade a lot of our equipment, which then allowed us to provide a better experience for the people that are, are at our Jay Rubin campus. And last week, our first week back, two people gave their lives to Jesus, right? Right. Amazing. But that's not possible without people sacrificing. When you make a decision to sacrifice your finances, what you're doing is you are serving God that way. Because while God is going to use his people to manage the finances, God is going to go ahead and do the work through the finances. And what I have found is the more I'm willing to sacrifice money, the more I'm willing to sacrifice in my giving, the less worry that I actually have about it. I know it's a major stress point for a lot of people. I know it's a, a stressor uh, in conversations and marriages. But what happens is when you make a decision to give, when you say, okay, I'm going to give it up to you, Lord, what you're doing is you're giving him control. And you're taking it out of your control, which makes you worry less. And that's exactly what happened to the Samaritan man. We don't know if he's rich. We don't know if he's poor. But what we do know is that he gave for that person. And because he gave for that person, he knew it was worth it. It made a difference in that Jewish man's life. Because the Samaritan was willing to sacrifice his time, his gifts, and his finances. And that same difference can be made in your life. Reminder, the original question that the man asked before we got into the parable was, how do I inherit eternal life? And the answer was very simple. Love God, love people. Do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll have eternal life. Do this and you get to spend eternity with Jesus. To me, that sounds like a satisfying life. To me, that sounds like a great life. 
So what we got to do is we just simply got to make the decision that I'm going to love God. I'm going to sacrifice my life for him. I'm going to choose to follow him. That is how we inherit this eternal life. And then once we inherit the eternal life, then we put it into action by following his example, by following the Samaritan's man's example in this story and sacrifice our time, our gifts, our finances. And we will get to see people's lives change. That right there is a satisfying life, not just for our time here on this earth, but also for all of eternity. So if you want a life that is satisfying, today make a decision to get off your donkey and start sacrificing. You see, we're able to do that because of the greatest sacrifice of all time, which is Jesus. Jesus being in heaven looking down at us, seeing that we were like the Jewish man on the side of the road, broken, beaten, near death. Almost certainly going to pass away, almost certainly in trouble for the rest of our lives. We said, no, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. And he came down and he sacrificed for us. And the greatest sacrifice of them all was his life because he got up on that cross and he died for each and every single one of us so that we could have life once again. So I'm going to challenge you today. Make a decision to sacrifice your life. Maybe you're in here you've never made that decision. It'd be a great time for you to have that conversation with Jesus right now in your seat. Do you want to talk about that with somebody? We've got people in the Connect Corner. We've got people in our prayer corner that would love to talk to you about that. Maybe you need to take communion during this time as a reminder of that sacrifice Jesus had. Maybe you just need to sit there for a second and think about how you need to sacrifice for your neighbor, for the people that you are around, so that you could help them know what matters in this world and what matters in this world is Jesus. We all have things that we need to sacrifice today. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's respond that way. Let's lift up his voice in sacrificial worship. By saying, Jesus, I need you. Pray with me. Jesus, Lord, I am thankful for you. But I pray today that we can follow your example and sacrifice. You've given us the blueprint on how to do this. So help us to follow.